a few semesters ago, I had a book study. It was on Crushing um, by T.D. Jakes, and Amber and Derek were a part of that book study. And I know they learned so much, but God, I just pray, Lord, that in this um, time of crushing, God, we're just thankful in advance for the new wine and the new power that's going to come from this, God. We put our trust in you, and we know that that's going to happen, Lord. So we thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, um, <laughs> Brett and Hope Parker used to come to our church, and um, she had lost a daughter. <clears throat> and she was always just the most bubbly person and I kind of couldn't understand it I couldn't wrap my head around that I was like wow you know how do you lose a child and move on from that and I thought how I don't I don't know if I could do that I know I could I know I could because God would help me but I just remember just the joy that bubbled out of her and just that that gives other people hope. You know, God is looking to believers to show other people hope, to show people that there's a way to keep moving. There's a way to move on from that. In the midst of your suffering, you might be thinking, I don't know how I'm going to go another day. But that's kind of like, I have lots of examples to share with you today. And and the hope is that it will give you hope or that down the road you'll see someone going through suffering and you'll be able to share part of this with them. Or if you go through, I, we're all going to go through future suffering. It's a fact of life. You know, we're all going to have troubles. We're all going to experience loss of loved ones. We're all going to experience all different kinds of things. But God, and so... I was asking God, you know, what do you want me to speak on? And I kept hearing suffering, suffering. And, I mean, there are just so many people suffering right now. I I just know so many people who are. And I was like, but God, that doesn't sound very fun. (laughs) And, And I kept feeling like I was hearing him say, no, there's beauty in it. There's beauty in it. And... So I was like, well, I'm going to have to study that out. (laughs) But I do know from my experiences, my times of suffering, that, that I have gotten beauty from those times. Some of those during, some of those not during. Some of those I've found beauty in it afterward (laughs) you know I think that's probably how most suffering is most suffering you're not finding any beauty in it during but um so suffering is undergoing pain distress or hardship there are other definitions too but I went with that and um so there are there are actually times in my life that I went through suffering that I can actually with 100% certainty tell you that I am thankful for those times of suffering that I went through. I'm thankful for them. Through those times, you know, there were some of those times I just felt the closest to God. Some of those times I 
came to know God by a whole new name that no one will ever be able to take from me. (laughs) You know, so you may not see it when you're going through it, but there's hope. You will come out of it. There's a new day. There's a new dawn. So um, when I knew that I was going to be talking about this, I put on our Jules Facebook post, I said, you know, have you ever found beauty either during a time of suffering or um, after a time of suffering? And I said, please just say yes or no. Every single person said yes. Every single person said that they have found beauty through their suffering. Nobody said, nope, didn't, didn't get anything out of it. And I thought that was really interesting. And um, so I, I called some of you, <laughs> and uh, some of you that said yes, I didn't get a chance to call before today, but I would like to call and talk to you about those times in the future. But, but I learned a lot of things. So, Madi, will you come up here for a minute? One of the people that I talked to was Madi. So I just want you, you guys know Madi, <laughs> our amazing, amazing worship leader. You know what she's like. <laughs> Look at that smile. So I want you to just throw out some words that you would use to describe Madi. Just yell them. Encouraging, beautiful, joyful, compassionate, devoted, faithful, great mom, great wife, and obedient. I mean, there are just so many things. So many things. You can see the joy in her life. She's our worship leader. She leads us into the presence of God. You can sit down. <laughs> Thank you. So I I called her to talk to her about, you know, her time of suffering. And um, she 100% said yes, share my story. She doesn't want to hide it. She wants to share it with people, to give other people hope. And so I'm going to share a little bit of, of her past with you because I want you to see there was a time, well, I'll just start from the beginning. So when she was in her 20s, she married a man that was 20 years older than she was. Against her parents' wishes, they told her not to do it, that it wasn't good, that for many reasons, but she did it anyway, and then went through a terrible, terrible divorce. She was depressed. She um, attempted suicide Um, after her parents had to take her to the hospital to have her stomach pumped. She had to go to a psychiatrist and was on meds. She said she would walk the streets barefoot at three in the morning. I mean, I want you to picture Maudie in that place. You know, she, during that time, saw no beauty in that. There was no beauty there. She didn't, know, she didn't want to live. 
She didn't see how she could go on after that. She didn't see how she could ever, she couldn't picture in her life that she could ever have a beautiful family. That was the furthest thing from her thinking. You know, but God. She said there was a man that came to her church, a a guest speaker, and he said to her, one day you're going to laugh about this. And she was thinking, there's no way. I don't see how I can ever laugh about this. I mean, so depressed you want to kill yourself, you know. But today we laugh about it. (laughs) Today she and Jonathan laugh about it. We were talking about it on the phone, and she was laughing, and she got me laughing, and she tells Jonathan, yeah, you're my third husband because... Not only did she marry that man once, she married him again. (laughs) So (laughs) I said, well, some of us take a little longer to learn things. (laughs) No, but so she laughs today about it. And so I said, did you find any beauty during? Absolutely not. Did you find any beauty after? Yes. She said her character was changed. She learned to obey and respect and honor her parents. She learned to trust God and um, so and share her testimony. You know, how many people is she going to give hope to that there's life after those dark days? The sun comes out. There's joy in the morning. There's joy in the morning. So, um, you know, you guys know Joyce Meyer. You probably most of you know her story that that she was, you know, terribly abused by her dad her whole life. Of course, no beauty during that. But today, she said she knows there are thousands upon thousands of women who are glad that she has been through that and came out of that and is able to share her story of hope and is setting thousands of women free, free from bitterness, free from hurt, free from unforgiveness, to show them that you can move on, that you can have a great life after that, that you don't have to stay stuck there. Um. So I'm I'm just going to give y'all several examples, and some are more hardcore than others, but but there are different degrees of suffering, you know, (laughs) different degrees of hard times that we go through, but but we can learn from them. God makes us stronger through them. Um, So my sister, uh, her baby is like one. So right before she had her baby. She had to take a test to get licensed to be a marriage and family therapist. She poured months and months and months into studying for this test. Um, It was just something hanging over her head for a long time. She was about to have this baby, and she was looking so forward to just having this test behind her so that she could go into delivering this baby and not having to think about that ever again, you know. Well, she took the test and she missed it by two questions. 
And she called me right when she found out. She bawled and bawled and bawled for five hours. I'm talking inconsolable, uncontrollable. She, um, this was just something that had been so hard for her. She had put everything into. So baby's born. She has to do, you know, more studying, pours herself into it again. And she takes it and passed it. <laughs> Praise God. But, you know, I asked her, did you see any beauty during? Nope. Do you see any beauty after? Yes. She she was sharing with me this last weekend. She said, you know, I, I'm an achiever. All I've ever known is achieving. I achieve at I achieve at everything, and she didn't mean it in a in a conceited kind of way. It's just she was captain of the drill team and best dressed and most talented and has two master's degrees. And, you know, she just achieves, 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 achieves and had not really had much experience with failure. And she said it really humbled her. It really showed her um, that, you know, how she can be empathetic and sympathetic toward people going through the same thing. But also, she's about to start a business that is something like in the greeting card industry that nobody's really done. And it's it it looks like this mountainous thing that she is about to attack. And she said, you know... I think if I would have started that and come to any point of something not working right away, she said, I I don't know how I would handle that. You know, right after she passed her test, she was in a store and she bought this sticker that says, I can do hard things. And she has it on her mirror. And she said that her not passing that test the first time and having that sticker has given her the confidence that she is going to need to go into this next endeavor that she wants to do. And um, so that's, you know, that was to her a beautiful thing. She she said she's actually thankful for that. Um, so some of the ladies that I talked to, I'm just going to kind of... Uh, condense this down a little bit. Some ladies said that they felt closer to God during the suffering. It developed their character. God smoothed away rough edges. God um, helped take away some maybe qualities that they had in their character that they needed to change. They have more fruit of the Spirit evident in their lives now. Their perspective has changed. They have learned to trust God more. They've learned endurance, patience, and that it has matured them. Um, James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the two things I underline from that is it's, it's the testing of your faith. You know, I, I remember when we were going through one of our trials and, sorry, um, Pastor Angela and good luck. I, I had one of my best friends, um, you know, she was, because we were kind of at a loss as to why some of these things were happening. And she was like, you know, I just really feel is there stuff you need to, you know, ask forgiveness for? And I mean, yeah, that's a thought, but I didn't think so. But I remember how comforting it was, you know, Pastor Goodluck and Angela saying, no, God's not angry with you. This isn't happening because he's mad at you and angry at you. It's not. And, you know, it could be just to test your faith. It's not because of anything you've done. And the other part of that is let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. We have to let God have his way. We need to let God show us Maybe there's something we need to work on. I know through some of our sufferings there are things that Al and I have changed. <laughs> um, changed in our finances, etc. But, um, you know, suffering is not good, but it can be redeemed and purposeful. And and only God understands it. <laughs> um <clears throat> So a few weeks ago, another example, I went to San Diego um, to see my sister, but also my nephew, Camp, he uh, became a Navy SEAL. <clears throat> Very exciting. I mean, there's, you know, handfuls of people in, in the world that, that make it through and make it to that. <clears throat> Something that he just, that's all he wanted to do all he wanted to do and um, it was such even a bigger deal because a few years ago (laughs) a couple of you in here probably remember but before you go to SEAL training you have to go through what they call BUDS training and if you make it through that then you get to go on to SEAL training well camp had just graduated from BUDS training and um, the very next day, he went to the beach, and he was in an accident and the beach. He hit his head on the ocean floor and was paralyzed from the neck down. And I remember, um, I think Michelle and Jennifer, you were there. We called Angela, Kathy, but we were all just praying for him, you know, praying for his life that he would live, praying that he would not be paralyzed because right when it happened, he couldn't move, he couldn't feel anything. Um, And it it was a dark, scary time. Um, So, fast forward to today, you can see why we're so grateful and praising God that um, I'll get more into the story later, but uh, when we got back from California, one of Camp's cousins had a party for him, and 
So we were there, and his dad, Dominic, was about, he was saying the prayer. Um, he was about to pray over our meal. And before he did, he, he kind of just gave a speech. And in it, he, he was talking, you know, about the accident and how grateful we are to have him here and to see what God has done in his life. And he said, you know, I'm actually thankful for this. He said he felt like it has made him a better dad. And he said, I feel like it's made camp better too. And when you think about that kind of experience, it's hard to imagine that anything good could come from that, you know. But so I, the other day, I, um, I called Nick because I, I told him what I was going to be speaking on and about beauty and suffering. And I said, you know, did you, did you see any beauty during? Nope. He was angry at God. He tussled with God. I said, did you see any beauty after? Oh, my gosh. He just, he couldn't stop. He said it has truly changed him. Every day, he is thankful for everything, the little things. He, it's made him a better dad. He you know, he has started going to the gym and has lost over a hundred pounds because he wants to be there in a better way for his kids and his grandkids. And he just doesn't take things for granted anymore. You know, his love is deeper. He he just he shows up more in everything. Well, so then I called camp <laughs> and I talked to him and I t- he was so fun to talk to. Um I and so this is what happened. He, he hit his head on, on the ground in the ocean. He said there were like five and six foot waves. Um, when, when he did, I asked him if he felt beauty before, I mean during or after, and he said both. He said when it first happened, it was amazing. He couldn't move. He could not move any part of his body, but he literally felt the hand of God pulling him to the top. He was on the bottom because he, he couldn't swim to get to the top. And in fact, right when it happened, he accepted. He was at peace. He knew that, that he was about to die. There was no way he was going to be able to make it to the top or anything. But he had a peace. And side note, his dad told me, he said, you know, when y'all took him to Discovery Camp, he came back so changed. He came back born again and knowing Jesus. <laughs> so praise God. But that, you know, he had peace when he was going through that, which he thought was a beautiful thing. Also, when God pushed him up out of the water, there, you know, people are scattered across the beach, but there was one person, like, two feet away from him and his head just came up right close to that guy and he was able to say help and that guy pulled him out and um, saved him. He's like of all the places in the ocean where he, you know, if he would have gone somewhere else and nobody was there, he couldn't have, you know, been saved. But uh, so then... um, 
he was thankful to be alive. But then when he got to the hospital and realized that he was paralyzed and couldn't move, um, they were told that he may not ever walk again. And at that point, he was like, well, why? Why, God? Why would you have me live, you know, bring me through that just to have me live a life not being able to move or walk? And, you know, he was he was angry. Um, he had a surgery on his neck. And then they told him that he would have a full recovery. Um, the people from the military came and told him that he just needed to work on getting better. And if he could come back and pass the test and everything, that they were going to save a spot for him. And so then, you know, it's a wide range of emotions. So, yes, you're grateful and so thankful. But then he kind of started to feel... He thought he would feel bitter because, you know, you go through this class with all these guys that are your brothers and you just want to go the whole way with them. They become your everything. And when people get rolled out and have to come back at another time, that can be kind of devastating for them. You know, it happens all the time for different reasons. But he said, you know, I thought that I would be more bitter about that. He said, but then I was just like, wait, I'm just thankful to be alive. Um, so then, <laughs> this, you know, suffering, and I remember Pastor Angela saying this before. She said, suffering can make us bitter or make us better. And um, Camp chose to have this, you know, to make him better and not bitter. Um also, there's a saying, the same water that hardens the egg softens the carrot. So, you know, you can have two people going through the same thing. One can come out hard. One can come out soft and changed and malleable. And um, it, I think that goes back to the verse, let it. <laughs> you know, we have to let it. Let God have his way. Um, I asked Camp about beauty after, and these are some of the things he said. He said, coming out of a trauma makes other problems seem so small. There's nothing that happens to him now. Everything is like no big deal, no big deal. He has a sweeter way of looking at things. He even sees beauty in problems. He's so thankful for everything, everything. His family, his friends, he knows God has a bigger purpose for him. Because his other class moved on and he had to wait 14 months, um, you know, graduated 14 months after they did, he not only has that first group of guys that are like his brothers and his family, he also has a whole other group of brothers that he thought it would be hard coming into this other group, like they've been together this whole time and he's the new guy coming in. But he said, day one, they were just all. They, I mean, they are thick, thick, thick. Um, 
So he got he during that class, you know, he got to encourage all of these people that, you know, he had already been through some of this training and they hadn't. He got to be an encouragement to them. And so he said it actually turned out to be a blessing and that it helped him grow as a man and a human. And he felt like it, he's done 10 years of growth in a two-year time period. <laughs> so he definitely sees the beauty. Um, <clears throat> okay, now Job. <laughs> because we all, um, most of us, I'm sure, probably know the story of Job in the Bible. So, you know, God is sitting in heaven and the angels around him and Satan comes to him and uh, conversation takes place. But basically, the Lord told the enemy that he could do what he wanted with Job because he knew that Job would not curse him. And um, Job was like, well, yeah, because you protect him, you bless him, you've given him everything. He's going to curse you when you take that away. And God's like, nope, he won't. And so um, the Lord told him he could have his way, but he could not touch his body. And so some of the things that Job endured in one day, I don't think any of us can say that we've endured this in one day. All of his oxen and donkeys were stolen. His servants were put to the sword. Fire burned up his sheep and his servants. His camels were stolen and his servants were put to the sword. A mighty wind struck his son's house, killing all of his children. Would you be able to move on from that? <laughs> you know, I mean, if we have any problems in our lives, we can look to Job. Job 1, 20 through 22. It says, At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. I thought that was amazing, and I circled that word sin. You know, when we say that God is doing something wrong, <laughs> that's sin. That is sin. I, I know sometimes, you know, when we're going through things, we question it. But we can't charge God with doing something wrong. So Satan went to God and said, skin for skin, and he'll curse you. So um, he afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. And in Job 3.11, he said, why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? But he still refused to sin or blame God. So there was a time during that suffering that he wished he was dead. He wished, like, why didn't I just die? I wish I was just dead rather than deal with this. You know, and maybe some of you have been through those times when you felt like that, when you didn't want to go on. 
There was also a time when he felt he couldn't find God. Job 2.3.3 says, If only I knew where to find him. Job 23.8, But if I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he's at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. Have you ever felt like that in your suffering? Like, God, where are you? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? I, I know, I mean, Job can relate. He felt like that. I know there are times of silence sometimes when you're crying out to God and you're just waiting for him to answer. Then, after that, Job questioned God's goodness. He questioned God's justice and his wisdom. Um, I'm going to read part of chapter 31. I'm just kind of skip around a little bit. But he, he started talking about how, and, and he was. God even said he was blameless and, up, and upright. He wasn't going through these things because of sin in his life. And, and so Job is like, if I've walked with falsehood or my foot has hurried after deceit, let God weigh me in honest scales and he will know that I am blameless. If my steps have turned from the path, if my heart has been led by my eyes or if my hands have been defiled, then may others eat what I have sown and my crops be uprooted. If my heart has been enticed by a woman or if I've lurked at my neighbor's door, then may my wife grind another man's grain and may other men sleep with her. For that would have been wicked to sin, to, uh, wicked, a sin to be judged. If I have denied justice to any of my servants, whether male or female, when they had a grievance against me, what will I do when God confronts me? He, and he goes on and on and on. All of these things that he's done that are noble and good. He was a good, good man. He was, he was so blessed. He was blameless and upright. Anyone could look at him and see the life that he led. But Job thought that God was being unjust. And um, that, well, that what was happening to him shouldn't be happening. But God um, answered Job, and he answered basically, like, who are you? <laughs> who are you to say? Um, I'm going to read part of Job 38. Skipping around. The Lord speaks. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On, on what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it? 
and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, This far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no one lives, an uninhabited desert, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? And he goes on and on and says more things. God knows everything. He knows everything. His ways are so much higher than ours, we cannot understand them. He has purposes and plans that our earthly minds cannot get wrapped around. We don't understand, but he's a good God. There is nothing that happens here that doesn't go through his hand first. If he allows something, it's for a purpose. Some purpose. We may find out the purpose one day. We may find out the purpose when it's happening or ten years down the road. Or we may not ever, ever, ever find out the purpose for it. But he's still God and he's still good. And he's still all-knowing. We have to put our trust in him. In the end, in chapter 42, Job repents. He sees <laughs> the error of his ways. He said in verse 3, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. My ears had heard of you. But now my eyes have seen you. And I think that's part of the beauty that comes after. You know, he, he knows God in a whole new way now. He has seen the Lord. Um, later, during his time of suffering, I'm sure you all know the story, his friends went to go try to comfort him. They didn't comfort him. <laughs> they were saying things to him that weren't true. They were making him feel like, well, surely you sinned. You need to just ask forgiveness, and so God will, you know, bless you. And, and that was wrong. So in the end, Job forgives his friends, and he prays for them. And that released more blessing to him. It says... Um, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. In the middle of all that horrendous stuff that was going on in his life, did he ever think that things could be good again? He lost his wife, his kids, his, his animals, everything. 
But here in the end, he's getting back twice as much. It says um, in verse 10, After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. And that doesn't take away, you know, the loss of his other kids or, or anything like that. You know, but there was a new day. His latter part of his life was more blessed than his first. And that's not, I don't know if I can word this right how I want to, but it's not just God saying he was blessed twice as much. You know, it wouldn't do any good if God said he was blessed twice as much, but if Job didn't feel it. If Job, if Job didn't feel the, like he was blessed twice as much, what good would that be? So I feel like he had to know and experience the joy of the blessing that he got at the end. Um, I thought it was interesting. At the end, here it says, it says, you know, how many sheep and camels and oxen and donkeys he had. And then it says, and he also had seven sons and three daughters. The f- and, and then it doesn't give the names of the sons, but it gave the names of the daughters. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. So I looked up their names. And um, the first one was Jemima, or Yemima as they pronounced it. Um, but that means the day. And I was thinking, you know, that's like newness, the day. And, you know, I in some Bible names, I feel so sorry for some of the people because they were named things like Leah is weary. And, you know, there are names that mean bitter or forsaken. <laughs> I was like, you know, those are awful names. And you think of all the things that Job has been through. Sorry, I have a sister named Leah. <laughs> I know, but she's amazing. Um, um, but anyway, you know, so you have these these names, and you think if Job has been through all these trials and sufferings, he could have been bitter, and he could have named his kids. Things relating to his sorrow and his bitterness. But he, his first daughter is Jemima the day. His second daughter was Keziah, which is a spice of a very fragrant smell. And his third daughter was Karen Hapuk, and it means child of beauty. And I think that shows where his head was. You know, that, that, that he was redeemed from the suffering that he had experienced. And um, so I don't know where you are right now, if you're going through a time of suffering or not, but we just have to know and remember that God works all things together for good. All things means all things. Pastor used to say that all the time. All things is all things. All things get worked together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I know that that's all of you here today. And um, um, 
I just, I just, you know, Isaiah 61.3. God, I just pray that you would bestow on every person going through suffering a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And we need to remember, you know, not to let our sufferings make us bitter, but to make us better, that we will learn from this, that we'll learn from what we go through. Um, It'll give us strength for the next time. Um, Yeah. Oh, no, Pastor Angela, did you want to say anything? Okay. Um, I Before we go, I would like for us to take a little time to um, to be in prayer for the Crow family. Um, 